It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, Little Woman fans around the world. Welcome to the Little Woman podcast. In today's episode, we are going to discuss about Meg March. Comment shoutout goes to Princess Arisa, who says, quote, Despite being the prettiest and most traditionally feminine of the sisters who leads the most traditional 19th century woman's life, Meg is not a one-dimensional angel in the house, but a fleshed-out character with flaws and complexities. She is sweet and nurturing, but also slightly bossy and preachy in a typical oldest sister way. She has her vanities and her desire for wealth and social status, which she learns lessons about in Meg Goes to Vanity Fair and in the later sit-by incident. Despite usually being obedient and putting others before herself, she puts her foot down when Aunt March forbids her to marry John Brooke and declares that she will marry whoever she wants. She also has a flaw that she is not even aware of, the tendency to try to do too much for others, all by herself, with the fear that if she makes mistakes or needs to ask for help, it means she is a failure, especially as a wife and a mother. Most daringly on Alcott's part, her chapters in part two go after happily ever after and show that even a happy, healthy marriage includes conflict and requires work and personal growth from both spouses, not to mention a good sense of equal partnerships, even in a traditional housewife and breadwinner framework. I have no patience for the claim that it's a miserable negative portrayal of marriage or that John is a jerk. Meg could easily have been written as an archetype, but instead she's a very real person. End quote. There was this comment that I read from Greta Gerwig where she said that Meg settles to a poor man, and I thought that was very strange. Almost felt as if Gerwig would have wanted Meg to marry a rich man and didn't really care if she would marry for love or not. But doesn't that kind of go along with the way Gerwig treated Joe's character? Because in the movie, Joe suddenly wants Laurie back out of nowhere. And if she had married Laurie, she wouldn't need to worry about money. But she would not have been happy. And Alcott Scooter Susan Bailey said that Gerwig's film was all about money. And it does seem to feel that way. The Vanity Fair scene in the 2019 film was also kind of odd because we are supposed to see Meg feeling that the way these girls dress her to be a princess, it's almost consenting. That she's not treated as a real person, but more as a toy. But then in the movie, this realization does not happen. And Gerwig was like, Meg needs to enjoy herself. She rarely gets this kind of opportunities. And that was once again one of those... Garrick really seems to dislike Louisa May Alcott moments. And it feels concerning because Meg is supposed to be this major character. Instead, she is presented as this immature person who suddenly wants to marry rich. And that is such a huge contrast to the 1994 film 
where Meg clearly does not enjoy being treated like this doll and these other girls are playing dress up with this doll and she even says that the reason her family doesn't like to buy silk is because it is being manufactured by people who use child labor and these rich girls they only laugh at her. My guest Jen Brady is here discussing her book series Marchister Sweet Romance and so far I have read two of her books, Subscribing to the Enemy, which is the Joe and Frederick book set in the modern day, and Falling for the Tutor, which is about Meg and John. This episode is for all of you Meg fans out there. I personally love Meg's character. The Vanity Fair chapter is, in my opinion, one of the best chapters in Little Woman because this really applies in women's world still today. Sometimes you want to be part of a certain female society and you want to blend in there. And when you are part of it, then it's like, this is not what I asked for. And it can happen in school or at work, basically anywhere. And it's interesting to wonder, was this something that happened to Louisa May Alcott herself or to someone she knew because she was part of many different circles? Jen and I will be discussing about Meg's character and her romance with John and also about Anna Alcott, the real-life Meg. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. And if you want to learn a new skill, was it then writing a book or learning to paint or speak a new language, you can get a one free month on Skillshare and the link is in the description. I will also add a link to Jen's website to the description if you are interested to learn about her and get her books to yourself. When I was editing this video I realized that I said that we don't have proms here in Finland and that was a mistake because we do have proms. They are just pretty different to the American proms. So we do have a prom tradition where kids who are in the second year of high school they do a dance performance first to the other students and then to the family and friends. So it's kind of prom, but not really a prom. It's more like a dance performance. It was some time ago since I went to high school. But just in case if some Finnish listener is listening to this episode and they're like, that's not right. Now I have corrected myself. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain, Little Woman Podcast, Meg March and the Social Pressure. There's an interesting parallel because when Laurie goes to Vienna, then he goes to Varosa to be with Amy, and it shows this gradual growth process that he has. And then Joe has the similar growth process in New York. So in a way, their story is parallel in part mm-hmm. two. And I think yeah, that's... they're good, good foils for each other. Yeah, so that is completely missed in. 99% of Little Woman adaptations. Yeah. yeah, I think there's just not enough time because they try to cram this big complicated book, which is actually two books, into mm. at most four hours of a mini series. And I feel that some of them don't even read the book. Oh, yeah. It, it does seem like it. Or they read with a specific lens they're mm. looking through. They they want it to say something so they 
they pick up on the parts that they that reinforce what they think and ignore the parts that tell a different story. <laughs> I mean, they, they read it as a kid and this is what they remember. Exactly. Or I think some people use the book only as like an extra guide to the movies. Mm. That's a bit weird, yeah, that but I, I have come across people who do that. Yeah, that could be, that could be a big part of it too, because the movies are def definitely different from the books. I was wondering, do you know a lot about Anna Alcott, the real life Meg? I know a little bit about her, but not, you know, not as much as, as I would know about, you know, Louisa or yeah. May, or even Lizzie, I guess, or Bron Bron what's the dad's name? Bronson? I don't know a lot about Anna, except that her real husband got along pretty well with, with Louisa, and he was in part, the model for John is something I've heard. We talked about the age gaps. Anna Alcott was actually one year older than John Bratt. Mm. And I thought that was interesting because in the book, there is the age gap. Right. I wonder why. I guess because she wanted to make him tutor of the Lawrences. That's an interesting change. John Pratt was like a lawyer or a banker. Okay. I don't really remember. Maybe because Louis and my like teachers. Maybe that's why uh -huh. Joan is a teacher. Oh, maybe because her father was a teacher. Yeah, and then there was Emerson and other yeah. big philosophers <laughs> in her life. Joan does become like a secretary uh -huh. for the yeah. Lawrences later on. When Laurie is graduating, he doesn't uh -huh. need tutor anymore. So Joan continues to work for the Lawrences, but right. in a, different position she was able to combine those ideas one of the things that i liked in your book was this warm relationship between older mr lawrence and john i liked i really like mr lawrence in in you know 99 percent of the adaptations i can't think of one i i didn't like i just always thought he was a great character and i wanted to kind of show that in my books and kind of have the mentor figure that that John didn't have in his life, the stable kind of father, grandfatherly figure. In the original, he's written to be a, more of a philanthropist, even though he's very wealthy. And when Beth becomes ill, he's the one who calls the doctor, now his own doctor, to, to come and, to, yeah. and help. Yeah. And he also is the one that sends John with. Yeah, with Marmy to, to kind of help her out when she's in Washington. Yeah, with, with uh, Father March. When he's, when he's heard. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Lawrence. It's almost like he works in the background helping everyone. Mm -hmm. Also, how they, when they give up their breakfast to the poor family, and then they come home and he's seen what they did and thought that was really neat. And so he gives them a feast that's even grander than what they had in the first place I think he recognized that generosity and it's something that obviously he likes to be the philanthropist and that was kind of their their small way of the same and he wanted to give to them since they'd given to others and they mm -hmm. always say they kind of always I've gotten the impression that they 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. They gave Lori the credit. Oh, it's his grandson must have talked him into it. And I don't think so. I think it was him the whole time. True. <laughs> he was always that. John was more quiet about things, not as flashy. So he kind of quietly did stuff like that in the background, like you said. I think it was all him. <laughs> I once read that Emerson was maybe the real life. Uh, Mr. Lawrence. Okay. Because he financially helped the Alcots a lot. I don't know. Maybe. Or at least parts. Parts of him. Well, some say he was also mother for Frederick. Yeah. I think because Emerson uh, allowed Louisa to borrow books from his library. So that definitely is something that Frederick does with Joe. Well, a lot of times when you write, you might get ideas for a character from various Mm -hmm. experiences in real life, or you might change some things, or combine two characters into one, or take a couple things from someone you know and give parts of them to different characters. It, It wouldn't surprise me if that part of him was something that made an impression on her, and then she used it whether she knew it or not sometimes it's just you know the way you were brought up and the way you know you might not even so consciously know I'm going Mm -hmm. to base this this aspect of this character on my neighbor and Mm -hmm. it might just be something that made an impact on you and then it comes out in this creative way. Frederick is very he's a mixed character same as Laurie I just like to make these connections with these real life people yeah it's fun well real life people definitely influence the way you see the world and that's the way your art is going to come out there's some things that uh, I thought were kind of funny in Anna Alcott like that Louisa didn't really like fan mail but Anna always replied to the fan mail then she would write that this from the real life Meg March and that <laughs> That's funny. She had a really neat handwriting when you couldn't always read. If uh, Louise had written something, she had very messy handwriting. But Anna's handwriting is very neat. Doesn't that totally sound like a Meg and Joe thing? Yes. (laughs) May Alcott's handwriting is very artistic, very pretty. And then Anna Alcott, it's very neat and punctual. (laughs) I thought that was funny. That is funny. Yeah. And then Louisa's is crazy creative all over the place. Messy. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. I really want to do more research on Anna Alcott because I think Meg is sort of labeled as not very artistic like the other sisters. But I think right. there are many different layers in Meg's character. It, it, a lot of people will be like, oh, she's the boring one. She's just the one that gets older and has a family and she's the mom. But there's a lot of interesting things about her and about their relationship too. In Good Wives, we see them 
you know, different parenting styles, having to navigate that, being exhausted from having young children and still working on your relationship. Um, you know, the the worst my husband and I ever argued was when our son was little and he was a kid who woke up every hour on the hour, we were both exhausted. You know, you're a different person when, when you're so tired and they do kind of explore those, those things. And, you know, what do you do when your husband invites someone over and you're not ready and things are kind of a disaster, you know, that happens nowadays in real life, you know, the house is a mess and in comes the person invited for dinner. <laughs> they kind of explored that stuff too. And I think it's quite amazing, little woman, how it goes from these different ages of human life, in very nuanced ways. I think we talked about this last time, how we identify ourselves with Meg now more than we did yeah. when we were younger. We identify ourselves with Meg now because we are more mature. And it's funny because when I was a younger I couldn't really identify with her same way like I did with Beth or with Joe mm-hmm. but I think now I I can see a lot of myself in Meg when I was a kid I probably identified best with Beth because I was quieter and always wanted to be around pets especially cats and Beth always had the cat and the cartoon just wasn't really like Joe I wasn't outgoing but then in high school and young adulthood it was Joe who I identified with because I loved to write and I wanted to be a writer and be creative and now as I'm older it's probably more Meg that I identify with because she's a mom and a stay at well a stay at home everyone basically stayed at home a lot of women Um, although not in little women because they they had to go out and help support their family but family was the center of her world and that's kind of where I'm at and I'm not sure when or if I'll ever identify with Amy but we'll see (laughs) although I do like Amy she's a fun character a lot of people think you have to hate Amy if you like Joe but I don't think so I like both I don't think I have a favorite sister no I think I've gone through times of my life when I have had favorite sisters but now I think I kind of just like the whole unit (laughs) the March family as a unit because if you didn't have one they would be so different um the rest of them and the whole family and the relationships that make the story when I was a child Beth was also my favorite character because Mm -hmm. I had really bad social anxiety so I can relate to that but then later on I really liked Joe and Amy because they were the artistic ones but Mm -hmm. now I think now I think I identify with Meg, so it's funny. I think Friedrich is my favorite character. Oh, he's a great character. But it's because I had a crush on him Oh, <laughs> from a very young age. Did you have a crush on one of the actors or the character? Both. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I also really like Laurie. And there are people yeah. who say that you cannot like Laurie and like Friedrich. I don't oh, really see like why. Both. You can like both. I like John too. I like Laurie, but I don't like Laurie in a romantic way. I think he's great with Amy. There's a lot of characters to really love. You know, Mr. Yeah. Lawrence and Marmy and Aunt March in her own way. <laughs> I really love the scene in your book with Aunt March coming in the end, shouting at Meg that she should not be with 
John because John oh, was yeah. on floor. And I was laughing so hard because it was such a funny scene. It's a really funny scene in the book as well. And in all the movies when she yeah. just like bustles in there and is like, you, blah, 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 blah. And then that's really the catalyst for Meg actually realizing she does on a 1949 film that's pretty close to the book when she she goes to the march house and then i think john had forgot his umbrella there so he Mm -hmm. hears everything that she says Mm -hmm. that's also in the book and she's like you cannot marry that poor guy (laughs) it was so funny it backfires on her i don't think they really put that to the others there's like Aunt March complaining that Meg wants to be with the poor guy, but it's so much funnier when she comes to rant about it and then yeah. Meg goes to defend him. And it's funny that before she comes, Meg is just kind of like, oh no, I don't think I will marry yeah. this guy. And then, so it totally backfires on her. She's complaining about him. And then that's what, when Meg kind of stands up for him, like you said, she also reminds herself of all his great qualities and Aunt March never should have said anything I guess that's what she wanted it to go like how old she was she was 17 when that happened that's in the first part of Little Woman that's like the end of the first yeah part right yeah that's quite towards the end because then we have Joe being all pouty because Meg is gonna get married and then they're all together and that's kind of where it ends, I think. And then it goes into Good Wives. Yeah, that's another thing that's really interesting because when Anna got engaged, Louisa was upset, but it was because their sister Lizzie had died only a month before that. Mm. And she was afraid that if Anna would get married, she would have lost two sisters. And then right. May... I believe, was planning to move to Europe. So all her sisters were leaving. Right. So I think there's a lot more context in the original story than in Little Woman. Why Joe... Why she would be so upset. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people wonder why she's so upset. Well, I think the original historical story actually explains it much better. Yeah. Because Beth doesn't die until much later in the the book so it does seem kind of kind of irrational that when what did people do back then they grew up and got married and went off to their own households you know it shouldn't have been something that was that traumatic or surprising to joe but yeah that's interesting that that it all happened after lizzie had died and that's probably where louisa's mindset was so she was writing this but i didn't know that yeah, it wasn't that long ago that I found out this myself. Apparently, their mother was also quite not so happy that they decided to get engaged that soon after mm-hmm. Lizzie had died. Oh. But I think it was also because um, Anna was already 32 when that happened. If she was 32 when she married, that was a pretty late age to get married in 19th yeah. century. Maybe then, that's why she didn't want to wait. <laughs> Yeah, I I think so too. Her sister had died. And I want to make a very big research about this because it's really interesting. Did they have kids in real life? We made USAA insurance to help you save. 
Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, they had two boys. Okay. And the other one uh, was Louisa's favorite uh, nephew. And I read okay. one speculation that maybe he was inspiration for. Frederick's nephew, Franz, who is okay. Joe's favorite. That would make sense. Yeah. Or maybe Demi, who is like Max and John's uh, son. Son. Because they had uh, two daughters and a son. I, I kind of like that because Franz and Joe have a really nice relationship. Yeah, maybe she wanted to get married soon because she was pretty old. Yeah, for then. those times. Yeah. I'm 34 and I... I'm not in a hurry to get married, but like back in the days when people's oh. life expectancy was like 40 years or right. lower. <laughs> That's a big part of it too. We have time to do stuff. I also understand Louisa because you have one sister dead, then mm-hmm. second one wants to move abroad. You probably never see her again mm-hmm. because if she lives in an, another continent, and then your older sister wants to get married and where she is going to. So I understand right. that. Yeah, it does. It makes a little more sense to know what was happening in Louisa's real life. Wedding should be a happy thing. Like she does write that she really liked John Pratt and he became more like a brother to her. And she always wanted to have a brother. Yeah, maybe she realized it was a good thing. Like Joe really does end up like John in yeah in the sequels I had this headcanon that in Little Woman Friedrich was John's best friend because John spoke German I think I told you this last time oh yeah. that sounds like it would be that sounds like it would happen yeah. <laughs> I think they would have been friends of course he liked Laurie but Laurie was a lot younger yeah. so you can't yeah. really have that similar experience with him <laughs> Poor Little Women adaptations <laughs> Next season, I want to read some, like, male Bond fan fictions. <laughs> if I can find them anywhere. You don't really see that in the movies, like the male characters' friendship that no. much. Like, we can see John teaching Laurie, but we don't really see them interact as right. adults. Or... It's, always, it's always about the sisters, Yeah. So. Or Friedrich interacting with Laurie or with John. or mm-hmm. Sometimes we well, see Friedrich with Joe's parents. Yeah. Uh, and we do see a little bit of them older interacting in, like, little men. But not, I mean, not a ton. But there's a little bit of that. Another really funny scene that really made me laugh <laughs> in your book was the part where Joe was, she was a... Uh, taking a compost back and then she was ranting about Amy and then John was like that was a bit scary 
thought that was oh. really funny. <laughs> yeah, I always kind of wonder. He was probably a little intimidated by some of those sisters. Cho can be a bit scary sometimes, I think. Yeah. That's because she cannot always control the things that she says. Right. She just turns things out. The temper and the passion and the artist way of just mm. throwing it all out there. And yeah. Yeah, that was fun to write. I liked writing from the perspective of the guys too, because you don't really know what what were they thinking. And so that was kind of fun. What would you think when you are this kind of introvert bookish guy and come into this family with all the sisters that are you know fighting or laughing together or Joe being mad at Amy for something and quite vocal about it you know what would that feel like I really liked getting to do all the viewpoints yeah that is true it's really nice to see that because in the original book, I think there are a few moments when you see bits of John's point of view when he and Meg are married. He struggles to understand some of the things that Meg does. But I think that's yeah. normal if you are in a new relationship. The argument about the fabric. When she bought the... When Sally's kind of like, come on, buy it, buy it. So she yeah. did. Then they kind of have the little argument, yeah. And there's a Laura's point of view when he falls in love with Amy. Mm-hmm. But not really much before that. No, there, no, there's really not. And then there is a Friedrich's point of view when he falls in love with Joe. But I always like to point out that Joe and Laurie shippers who sometimes like to troll me that <laughs> try to look a scene from a woman where Laurie is thinking Joe romantically because there is none. No. It really is kind of out of the blue. (laughs) Well, it must not have been too out of the blue for her because she's like worried about it earlier in the Mm -hmm. book. To me as a viewer, it's it's out of the blue. I think it kind of shows that he wasn't really thinking about it because when he's writing the opera for Joe, there's this moment when he doesn't really care who the leading character of his opera is going to be. So it feels like... He didn't really care who he was going to marry. He just wanted to be married. Yeah, it does. It does seem like that. And all of a sudden, he's thinking of Amy. Yeah. I think he was spinning on Joe because Joe was so familiar. So he thought yeah. maybe life with Joe would be easy because we have so much fun to, fun together. Probably. Yeah, something like that. Would you like to tell me how you name your characters? Well, I tried to kind of make them similar to but not quite the same names most of them are pretty pretty obvious some of them needed to get be a little modernized but most of them it's just a form of of what Louisa had maybe Bell Bell was Bella and there was a Clara who I made Claire just little changes basically mm. but Megan instead of Margaret and you can still recognize them yeah I think that's the main point do you have any uh, literal inspirations for young adult books I do I like a lot of different young adult authors as far as the sweet romance goes my favorite is probably Judy Corey she writes a lot of really good YA with a little more substance to them than just the romantic couple 
they're always kind of dealing with other things too within the romance. And so I really like her books. Uh, she was one of the first sweet romance authors I read a few years ago when I was trying to get into the genre and I still really, really like hers. I do like Judy Corey. Um, I like Emma St. Clair, but she's more adult than YA. Um, but I do like her sweet romance. Yeah, I'm kind of not good at, at <laughs> pulling names out. Yeah. I could look yeah. through my Kindle and be like, oh, that book, that book, that book. But as an author, I should be better at that, but I'm not. <laughs> I think it's because I read so much that it all just kind of blends together. You're a big reader. Yeah. I try to be. <laughs> I think I have these like waves when I read a lot, then I don't mm -hmm. read much, and then I read a lot again. It well, comes and goes. The things that I see you posting about reading are in English. So, is that, does it take you longer to read in English since well, than it does? It, it kind of depends on what I'm reading. Okay. It's funny because I think I'm really slow reading fiction in English. Okay. Like I can read like academic texts very easily in English, like biographies and stuff. But really? then if I read fiction in English, it's really much slower. I don't know why. Hmm. That seems like it would be the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> that's in, that's very interesting. I, I can't read in any other language, so I <laughs> I respect people who can read and speak multiple languages. I read lots of fiction in Finnish. But when mm -hmm. I read fiction in English, it can be very difficult to um, understand the storyline because okay. I don't really understand all the concepts in fiction right. when I read it. Maybe that's well, it. Because different, I guess in academic, there's a certain way of writing. Yes. Academically, which is across the board, whether you're from whatever, Florida or Minnesota. But when you're writing, about different people in different parts of the United States maybe they use different different slang or different mm. they just talk differently maybe that's yeah. it like it's easy for me to read little woman in English because I have studied so much but right. like reading some other series in English in English it might not be that easy because I don't know that world so there right. might be concepts that I don't get like I, I was trying to read Jane Austen in English and I really struggled with it. Okay. Because it has its own world. Yeah. It's interesting, but that's the way it is. That is interesting. Yeah. I think one of the things that I liked about uh, in your book is the way you described the uh, Lawrence house in the way it would be in modern day. I, it's very impressive already in the original book. And then compared to the March house which like everything is pretty close there which also shows how they are very close as a family and then the Lawrence house it's big and it's empty right and, and it has these beautiful rooms that nobody uses it's almost like forgotten the time has forgotten it yeah and I think when Laurie moves in he kind of like I think he livens it up he's 15 he's when he moves in yeah I think so yeah this is why I think the adaptation should have Laurie's point of view how he was only mm -hmm. living in a boarding house somewhere in France or Italy England yeah I don't I don't remember 
I think France. Maybe France. I don't I don't remember. They make a big deal about how he can speak French. There's a big contrast between the March family and the Lawrences and we can even see that in the way they live. So when Laurie moves in with his grandfather, he feels very, very out of place. And then Joe, Joe comes and, be my friend. Hey, <laughs> let's be friends. So he kind of sees Joe as his savior. Which may be why later he gets stuck on the idea of getting married to Joe. Exactly. And maybe it's more like him wanting to pay back her uh. or something. It's a good theory, anyway. Have you ever heard from Aunt March and Mr. Lawrence Shippers? <laughs> no, but it seems like something people would ship. <laughs> Sometimes they have their moments. Isn't I don't know if this is actually in the book, but I think in one of the movie adaptations, he like asks her to dance at Meg's wedding, and she's just kind of like mm, and like walks away or whatever. <laughs> I think they dance in the 2017 miniseries. Do they? Okay. <laughs> I thought that was interesting when I first heard about it because I had not Sorry. heard about it before, but I think people come up with weirdest Just want to ship anything. Yeah, people ship anything. Yeah, they're the two old people. Mr. Lawrence is so much nicer than Aunt March. Yeah, he is. I wouldn't like to be Joe working for Aunt March. No. She did like Amy, so she liked somebody. Oh, that's a new one. <laughs> Mr. Lawrence and Aunt March shippers. Apparently, there is a ship for them. That's funny. In your version, when we have uh, Meg trying to fit into the popular girls, like she's a cheerleader, and mm-hmm. then Sally Moffat is also a cheerleader and her best friend. Yep. She's... Nominated to be a prom queen, Meg. Meg and Sally, I think, both. Yeah. And then another girl. I don't really know about proms because we don't really have them here. It's one of those things that feels so big when you're in high school. And then when you're an adult, at least for those of us who weren't into prom, you look back on it and think, huh, why was that such a big deal? But it is to a lot of teenagers especially the popular group who's going to be involved in it. And it was nice that in your version, Meg's glove was actually a pom-pom. Oh, yeah. That was funny. I like that. Hey. Yeah. Clever. I kind of thought that was funny, too. That was one of those things where you can see how Meg is kind of struggling, struggling with her sort of high school reputation. And then wanting to be with John, who is really an outcaster. We have this like a teenage TV series here in Finland uh, about a a popular girl who falls in love with with the most nerdiest guy in in high school. Uh So that kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. That series. That sounds like a cute series. It is. And honestly, like the girl in the series, she's a bit more like, Amy, she loves pink and very girly and a bit bit immature, but also quite sexual, I'd say. (laughs) And the guy is super nerdy. He's really (laughs) cute, but he's very nerdy. (laughs) And uh, then the girl is so wrecked when everybody finds out that she likes the nerd Uh and she loses her reputation and 
and there's all this trauma. Like <laughs> it, re- it kind of reminded me of your book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you are this popular in high school, like Meg is, there are things that you lose when you fall, fall out of that um, click. You won't be saved seats. You won't be invited to these social gatherings. Mm-hmm. You won't be, you become invisible, I guess. Or you will be bullied. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that very well could happen too. Now, in my story, I didn't have to deal too much with the fallout because it was at the end of the year and they were all graduating. And there was some of that with the, the prom stuff. And the also kids, I don't think, really look to the future very much they don't really see what's happening past next week a lot of them so even though they were the whole high school was coming to an end for my characters the whole social thing still was very especially for the May character very uh important to her whereas as adults you and I can look and say okay in a month this experience won't matter well, she remembered when the family was wealthy or wealthier right. and they could have all these nice things and they had more money to spend that she got invited to this social gathering of young girls. It was exciting for her and she did want it to belong to that crowd. And Joe didn't even want to go. No. <laughs> she kind of was forced into it. So, yeah, I think that's why. Meg has longing for that time when things were easier because she also knows what people are saying about her family, that right. there are these gossip about her father, how they are abolitionists. And I mean, he, he used to be a teacher, but then the, his school was school closed got shut down, yeah. Because he took a black child there. Which would have been a huge social deal then. Yeah. So they were really shut down almost by their former friends. Meg really suffered that a lot because she remembered what it was like. And Joe doesn't really remember that. And what the other sisters. They were little, very little. I don't know why Joe doesn't remember much because she's not much younger than Meg, but maybe just she didn't because it wasn't something that she would have cared about. Yeah. it wouldn't have stuck in her mind as much as other things. Or maybe for Joe, it was more like more like the other people are attacking, attacking them and she doesn't understand why. Yeah, maybe. But Meg, she understands why and how things are en- enveloping. So maybe that's why it was a big deal for her. Probably. Mm. Well, and the other two were much yeah. younger, so they wouldn't even have memories of that i liked in your book when we have these moments when meg is sort of trying to figure out who she is and what she wants from life because Mm -hmm. i think that's one of those things in meg's character that are really important in the original novel how she starts to form her own identity but then she really struggles to find the things that are important to her because of this social pressure that has huge impact on her. 
I, I think it has a bigger impact on her than Joe and Amy and others. Yeah, it's almost like she's grown up thinking that this is exactly what she wants. And then all of a sudden she realizes maybe what she's always thought she's wanted isn't actually <laughs> the best things in life to strive for. But yeah, she is still. And well, like we said, she is the one who remembers what it was like to live a different life with more money and more invitations to these these gatherings and hanging out with richer people and all that so yeah I I remember not really putting it together as a kid but as an adult it really struck me how when she comes home from the vanity fair she basically tells her mom and Joe everything that happened and all the stuff that she didn't like mm. about being with those girls and those people and the gossips and the what people were, were saying. And there was a lot of that that she didn't really like, but as a kid, all I remembered was, you know, the dressing up and the ball, mm. and the, the fun and all that. Yeah, and then there was the rumor that Meg's mom had been planned, planning Meg and Lori to marry, and Meg was so angry about that, and Mommy was really angry about it. Yeah. I think there was some of that in your novel, too, that, oh, she's after the Lawrence boy. To some of the girls at the sorority where she goes, which is the Vanity Fair in the book, are, like, assuming, because she's friends with them that she's trying to be interested in marrying in or dating I guess it would be in this day and age because mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're 17 you're probably not <laughs> going to be making marriage plans then in your version she also wanted to be part of a sorority in college sorority yeah sorority yeah, yeah. so that's what the Vanity Fair ended up um, translating to it was a in my book it's a like a preview day of the various sororities that she goes to and thinking oh this is what I've always wanted to be in my whole life and so excited to check that lifestyle out and then as in the original she comes away from the experience thinking oh well there's some good but some maybe not so good and mm. kind of reevaluating her idea of what it is and if she really wants to be a part of it. That's also a big part of growing up, really, that you find your own uh, passions. That was our discussion for today. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.